The Sunday message that I'm taping on Saturday afternoon, since we've got this social distancing, and we don't have but two people here today, and uh, plus the guy running the board, Mike, and the camera people. Uh, the message we're preaching on Saturday afternoon, Michael Place Sunday morning, is about the coronavirus. The reason for coronavirus. It's a wonder that God did not bring this hundreds of years ago. Because for the same reason, C-O-R-O-N-A, This is about the sixth in a series on the reason for the coronavirus. It's because of all the false doctrine. False doctrine preached by the preachers in America. Every preacher that I know of is lying right straight through his teeth. Everyone I hear including the best ones that are close to the truth and they're straddling the fence. What they are, they are hypocrites. Hypocrite is a Greek word. It's the word hypocrites, H-U-P-O-K-R-I-T-E-S. That's the word. It comes from hupo and krites. Hupo means under or sub means anything that's under and kretes is the common word for judge judge they are under judges or they are inferior judges now a hypocrite in the first century was that was they had a term for that that was a stage actor a stage actor. They had, they had performances out in public. It was a stage actor under, under an assumed character. They assume this character. That's what they do this day and time. I don't think I could be an actor in Hollywood because they have to cuss and they have to become somebody they're not. And in fact, there's a few actors like James Kahn and Robert Mitchum said, Robert Mitchum said, if they'd pay me the same money to sweep the floor, I'd rather sweep the floor. James Kahn said, I act to get money and then I go off and spend my money and I come back and make another movie. He said, I don't particularly like pretending to be somebody. I wouldn't like that either. You go into a room and go, how how are you doing, John? Well, what's happening? You're going down to the lake now? I mean, what? I I couldn't do that and feel and feel honest about it. Now, they, these guys are hypocrites. They are. The Bible says they cannot love if they are over in Romans twelve and nine. Love must be, this is what the Bible says, love must be without dissimulation. 
that word without dissimulation is a form of hypocrites. A N U P O K R I T E S. Anupokrites is a construction of hypocrites, H U P O K R I T E S, and the alpha privative. When you place the alpha privative, there are no H's in the Greek. It's just has the diacritical mark, no H's in the Greek alphabet. And eupokrites means placing the alpha in front of a word means means it negates the word. It means no hypocrisy. The Bible says love cannot be hypocritical. That word love is agape. Agape. Agape, according to Second John 6, is walking in the commandments of God. What this verse is saying, Second John 6, agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects. You can get that out of Kittle's Dictionary of the New Testament Greek Words. That's a 10-volume set just on Greek words. And Mr. Kittle says he's got 34 pages just on agape. And agapao, the verb form, A-G-A-P-E-O, that's the verb form. So you have a noun and a verb form. Second John 6 says this is agape. This is agape. That we walk after his commandments. The Bible says that love cannot walk after the commandments of God and a man be acting. It's not possible. So Kenneth Copeland, when they are lying, that's what they're doing. They're pretending to love God and they don't. Then you have over in Second Corinthians 6 and 6, that look at second second Corinthians six and verse six. Second Corinthians six and six. This will tell you that love, it'll also speak of love. And if you don't look at these words, you're not gonna know what it means. Six and verse six. That we are he's talking about the righteous man's that were in stripes in imprisonments and tumults in verse 5, in labors and watchings and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. That word unfeigned, it's amazing. They just put different words for it. Love unfeigned means that word unfeigned is anupocrites, unfeigned. So he's giving us two witnesses to this. Agape is unfeigned. That's what a righteous man is. You cannot fake. You cannot fake. And you've got several of these places where the Bible speaks of anupokrites. Let me give you a couple more of those. Anupokrites. I love that word because it means without hypocrisy, without acting. That's what the word, that's what these preachers in America are doing. They're acting righteous. Now, 
here back let me get you back to where I was alright first Timothy and uh, well I was over here then over in first here in first Timothy 1 and 5 now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned you cannot fake faith and that's what they're doing they're saying they believe God faith is the ver faith is the noun faith is the word pistis in the Greek text and believe believe is the word pistuo p-i-s-t-e-u-o notice the the stem of the word p-i-s-t that stays the same and the word ending is changed depending on a character of the word faith is the noun believe is the verb so believe is something you do he that doeth truth cometh to the light he that doeth righteousness is righteous it reminds me of people that say well works doesn't have anything to do with it works has everything to do with God's faith faith worketh by Galatians 5 and 6 faith unfeigned without hypocrisy Faith worketh. Faith works by love. Faith, whatever faith is, works by love or by agape. I always explain it this way. If you have a car, I'm not a very good artist. You got a car and this must be a and this must be a, some kind of fancy car. I put a hood on it on it. Uh, if you have a car, you can call that faith. And you can tell some guy, come look at my new car. He comes over and says, well, look at the motor. You say, well, it don't have a motor. Uh, well, then it's not a car. It's just a shell. But it has to work by the motor. So the motor would be agape. Faith works. When the Bible says not of works, there's different kinds of works. There is works. There is good deeds. Good deeds, which won't get you into heaven. Helping a little lady across the street or taking her groceries home for won't help you to go to heaven. If you do it, it all depends on why you're doing it if you're doing it to please God that's one thing if you're doing it to look good in the eyes of the public that's something else so you got good deeds and then you have God working in you you have ritual if you think going to a church and sitting listening to a boring preacher will get you into heaven it won't then you have God working in you God working in you to willing to do of his good pleasure it is God that works in you. So when you do right, that's God that's causing you to do that. So faith, you cannot fake faith. Faith is death to self. I keep saying that. You can't fake that. You cannot pretend to have death to self. Let me erase this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
substance, hypostasis. If faith is, is, hypostasis, that substance, hypostasis, you can't fake hypostasis. It means under standing, understand. You can't fake that. There's none that understandeth until God puts faith in your heart. You will not understand. And it, and the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the A-L-E-G-C-H-O, and it comes from E-L-E-G-C-H-E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S, which is the word rebuke. You can't fake rebuke. Which is rebuke. And what rebukes a man is the evidence that's down on the table in the courtroom that's got, it's a gun with your fingerprints on it and the smoke coming out of it. That's the evidence and that's what rebukes you. You can't fake rebuke. If you're rebuked, you will repent. And you can't fake repentance, metanoia, being turned and thinking differently. You can't fake that. You can't fake being turned. And Kenneth Copeland and those guys, they claim to have faith and they have no faith. They think faith, they think faith is wishing. I wish I had a new car. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had this. And I wish all of you people will send money to us. So you can prosper. That's amazing. Prosper and be in health. Prosper and be in health. The problem with these charismatic preachers, they have caused the coronavirus, and I don't know why God hadn't sent that back 500 years ago because they've been preaching false doctrine in America for the history of America. It, the Mr. Pond, Enoch Pond, church historian, he said as soon at the end of the second century, Enoch Pond's a great historian, he said as soon as they, they turned themselves over to synods and councils, the early church, a synod is a convention, a council is an association. He said as soon as they did that, that's when the apostasy began to grab hold of the church. The person that ascends to the top of a convention is not the most godly man. It is the most politically motivated man. That's who gets to the top of the church world. There's not many going to heaven, only a few. Boy, it looks like with all these churches in the world, many are going. The Bible says straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find it. That word few... Oligos means a puny number. There's only a few people going to heaven when they die. Most people are going to hell because wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. So most people are going to hell when they die. Prosper does not mean money. These guys... They will not define words. That's not what it means. It's the word you, 
John tells guys that wish above all things out there must prosper and be in health. Let me tell you, if they don't define the words, they're pretending. They're hypocrites. They're saying, they're saying love is something that it's not. They're saying faith is wishing and it's not. Faith is understanding, but it's being crucified. Prosper is the word euhodos. And what really just astounds me is Copeland and his company and all those preachers out there, they're saying, if you send us money, God will make you rich. If we send them our money, God will make them richer. Kelly Copeland's worth well over a billion dollars. He says he is. He admits that. He lives in an 18,000 square foot house outside of Dallas on the lake where he's got his own runway and he parks his $20 million jet there. And he's got thousands of acres where he's got thousands of cattle and he stole all of this from the poor. Telling them, if you send me your money, you'll prosper. Prosper is the word you hodos. You means well. You see that word on, on eulogy, E-U-L-O-G-Y. You means well logos. You go to a funeral and you say well words over a dead man. And this word means you. Hodos is the common Greek word road. It's a road or a way. Road or way. So it means a well way. Well, there's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. The well way is the narrow way, narrow that leads to eternal life. Narrow is the word thalibo, T-H-L-I-B-O. And that is the verb form of thalipsis. And thalipsis is the common Greek word every time you find a tribulation. So if... If the well way is the narrow way that leads to eternal life, is the Thalipsis way, and that's the well way between the two ways, the broad way. That's why we call all these streets in every big city Broadway, where all of the girly shows and all of the heathenism, we got one here in Nashville. You can go down there and you got bars as far as you can see. And strippers and drug heads down there and prostitutes and right out the back door of the opera house boy and they say country music is associated with gospel music I agree with you gospel singers are a bunch of heathens I, I was in that business I know so the well way is, is to prosper does not mean money and how Kenneth Copeland got his name in there, I don't know. Uh, John tells guys, I wish above all things you have lots of money and good health. That's not what he said. I wish above all things that thou mayest be in the well way, it's full of tribulation, and that you would be accompanied by Hugiano. Health. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Hugiano is the same exact word as sound when Paul said the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. It means uncorrupt words. That's the meaning. 
the well way it's narrow Jesus said I am the way it's full of tribulation and that you would be accompanied by the uncorrupt word of God that's where you are when you're in the narrow way now I don't oh I didn't finish this faith is unfeigned it you can't fake it because faith you have to have a daily cross to have faith where in the world do you get a daily cross and the charismatics do not preach this Joyce Myers and T.D. Jakes and Fred Price they're all faking Christianity they're phony but you can't hardly find people that will call somebody else a liar when a guy is just formulating every kind of lie you could imagine he is phony and everything they say about the Bible is a lie their Jesus is the wrong Jesus Paul said some will come preaching another Jesus another spirit another gospel the world is following the other Jesus in 2nd Corinthians 11 4 they're following another spirit the Holy Spirit's truth truth is the word aletheia this is what the Bible says l-e-t-h-e-i-a this is a construction of the word lanthano I've said this so many times lanthano which means to hide conceal lied and when you place the alpha primitive first letter of the Greek alphabet in front of a word this is the way it's written in the original text the alpha primitive negates the word gives an opposite meaning to lanthano it translates aletheia which is the word truth it means not to hide anything define everything I know people don't like this people think I'm crazy if I say this this is one of the most sad things I can say I don't know I listen to preachers constantly I don't know of another preacher in America that's trying with all his heart to tell all the truth all the time regardless of the cost other than myself that's not something to brag about that's something that depresses me to no end I don't know of any preachers that know anything about the Bible I listen to them on the radio they lie as fast as they talk that's why people don't want anything to do with Christianity they look at them and say if that's Christianity I want nothing to do with it let me tell you something if that's Christianity neither do I I don't want nothing to do with that these guys are crooks they live like billionaires just go online look up Kenneth Copeland's house look up T.D. Jake's house look up Jesse Duplantis house Jesse Duplantis lives in a 25,000 square foot house you know how big that is that's as big as a small shopping center I don't know what he does how does he get through the house get him a motorcycle or a motor scooter or something a bicycle to ride from room to room they they just lie as fast as they talk Jesse Duplantis said he went to heaven one day and he talked to the Apostle Paul he was a robust blustering guy now the Bible says if you talk to the dead that's called necromancy you have to die for that we're gonna have to put Jesse Duplantis to death 
if he lived in the Old Testament, he'd have to die. They are lying thieves. That's what they are. I don't like them. And if you don't like what I'm saying, sue me. I would like to go into a court and say, all right, I want to defend myself. Give me a big chalkboard. All right, let me show you how they're lying. And I can do that without a Bible. So faith is unfeigned. You can't fake it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Bible says you cannot be you cannot be a disciple of Christ. So you cannot be a disciple. Disciple is the word mathetes. We get a word mathematics from that, or the word math. A mathetes means a learner. I do some series on mathematics. I did a series on biblical chemistry. I did one on uh, biblical algebra. There's algebraic axioms. In fact, axiom is a Greek word. Axios. When you find the word worthy, it's usually the word axios. Worthy. It means equitable or equal. I've said this, that if equals are substituted for equal, the results are equal. That's one of the axioms you learn the first week in algebra. If equals are substituted for equals, the results are equal. If equals are substituted, you can do that in the Bible. When you see everything that means death to self, a daily cross is death to self. Daily cross, self-denial is death to self. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Now, every time you find a daily cross in the Bible, the daily cross is going to be daily. This one verse, Luke 9, 23, sets a precedent for the daily cross. If any man will come after me, a precedent is something that's set up. If you go into a law into a front of a judge and you can find a precedent in another case just like this that's been set down by another judge you could bring that precedent into this court and you can say here's the judgment of this judge over there in it'll influence this judge is to judge the same way the precedent in Luke 9:23 9:23 for daily, for a cross is daily. That's how you become a mathetes, a disciple, or a learner. The Bible says in Luke nine twenty seven. Nine twenty seven. He that beareth not his cross. Let me put it this way: He that beareth not his cross daily. Did I? Did I? What did I say? 14, for I don't know where I put 929. I've been 923, uh, 1427. I'll get ahead of myself. So he that beareth not his cross daily and follow after me cannot be my disciple. So to be a disciple, you have to have a daily cross 
And in order to be a mathetes and understand and be a learner takes a daily cross and faith is this understanding, hupostasis. It is, makes you the disciple, a learner by a daily cross. So if faith is unfeigned without hypocrisy, then that has to do with a daily cross. You cannot fake a daily cross. Where do you get a cross? In the first century, you couldn't be crucified on a cross unless you were a, unless you were a slave. Unless you were one of the lower parts of society, you had to be a criminal. A criminal or a slave. Roman citizens couldn't be put on a cross. Jesus was a Jew. They killed him on a cross. But you cannot fake a cross. You can't be hanging up there with Jesus and saying, I'm dying daily and I don't believe anything I'm doing. It, that's not it. Men had to condemn you to a cross and they condemned Jesus for blasphemy, for saying he was God. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees twisted the word of God. The Pharisees. These preachers in the world today are Pharisees. I, I go after the preachers that the, I have never seen. I've been preaching for since 1961. I've been convicted since I was a little boy back in the 40s. I've never seen the world as in better shape as it's in. I've never seen anything in my life like the coronavirus. Nothing. We haven't ever had anything in the world like this that stopped the grocery and the stores, that stopped jobs, that stopped everything, and people dying like crazy. Oh, we've had some, we've had some plagues, but you got to remember, God says, I will send when men do not do my work and they start twisting my word, I will send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. These are the four judgments of God. And then I'll send the beast to carry Israel away. And he sent Babylon, the beast, the lion, Persia, the bear, uh, the Greece, the Alexander the Great, the leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, that was Rome. He sent that to destroy Israel and carry them away because they went after other gods for over 500 years while they were a nation from, from the first king Saul to the last king Zedekiah, and he scattered them all over the world. And at the end of time, he brings them back, and they're already back. That's a sign of the end. That's a sign of the end as well as this famine. We're headed towards famine. Pestilence comes with famine. It always did. Anytime you've got these little baby bloated babies and you see them on these advertisements in Africa, there all kinds of disease comes with that. All kinds of pestilence. Now, the Pharisees were just like the preachers today. 
All these preachers are just like the Pharisees. Pharisees means separated ones. They separated themselves. The Pharisees were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue When they got down to Jesus' time, they called themselves Pharisees. They were put in Babylon in 586 B.C. Because Israel kept going after this system, this fire worship system, all the time they were a nation, because they kept going after it for 500 years under kings from Actually, from 1 Kings to 2 Chronicles. This is the time they were a kingdom, 2 Chronicles. The reason I didn't, in, I didn't include 1 and 2 Samuel, which is part of the books of the kings, 1 and 2 Samuel, is because in Samuel's time, Saul was the first king, and then David was set up to be the king because Saul was disobedient to God. But they weren't going after the Baal and the grove that they got involved in in 1 Kings. Baal was the sun god. Grove was the tree goddess. That's the Christmas tree. It don't matter whether anybody likes you or not. You can see that grove in Jeremiah 10. You can see it in, in Isaiah 44. And you, every time you have the word grove mentioned in the Bible, every time you have it, Asherah, that means the tree goddess, S-H-E-R-A-H. It, it is a form of Ashtaroth, A-S-T-E-R-O-T-H, or E-T-H, E would be singular, O would be plural. Or it's a form of Ishtar or Easter. She was the sun goddess of the spring in the ancient world. Ishtar. Ishtar. Or Easter. And it comes from the word Aster. Aster is the word star in the Greek. They worship the stars. Venus was in the stars. Jupiter was in the stars. Those are the sun gods and the fire gods of the ancient world. Because Israel did this, God says, I'm going to send the beast. I'll send Assyria to carry northern Israel away. And he did that in in Second Kings, the 17th chapter. Northern Israel. Israel had been split into two nations because of the, of the apostasy of Solomon. I believe Solomon was a believer. But he allowed his wives to keep their Shemosh, their Molech gods, their sun and their tree gods in that 11th chapter of 1 Kings. And then, and so God split the kingdom into southern Judah, northern Israel, northern Israel, and he tells Solomon, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you I'm going to take it away from you in Judah and give it to your neighbor over here. And, and he did that when he split the nation in, into Judah, and, which is southern Israel, and to northern Israel, which was Israel. So he split the nation. 
because they did this and finally he carries northern Israel away because Ahab the Ahab was in was in northern Israel. Ahab brings sun and tree worship in when he marries Jezebel, the priest of Baal's daughter. And she and her father's gods in Tyre and Sidon, which is the same thing as Lebanon to us, those were the sun and the tree gods that they brought into Israel. God gets his fill after sitting the sword, the famine, the pestilence for 510 years, and he scatters northern Israel uh, in Second Kings, the 17th chapter. Southern Judah is scattered into Babylon. And this is where the rabbis begin, the Babylonian synagogue. And God scatters. This, these preachers today are exactly like the Pharisees, the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. That's what they're like. They, he scattered them, and when they get into Babylon, Babylon is about 650 miles away from Jerusalem. About 650 miles from Jerusalem. Let me see if I can find Babylon. This is where the rabbis begin. Rabbi means master or teacher. Master or teacher. I'll get one over here. Well, I need to get a better view of it. All right, here's the Mediterranean Sea. The beast comes up out of the Mediterranean Sea, comes up out of the sea, because the borders of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome was up on the Mediterranean Sea. Well, Babylon is here. It's Iraq. That's what Babylon was. And then Persia that overthrew Babylon is, that's Iran, Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan, all of the stands, Turkmenistan, that was Persia. And the Persian king started with Cyrus when he comes in and overthrows, he overthrows the Persian king Cyrus, overthrows Babylon in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, and in Second Kings, it's the same account, just two different accounts. Second Kings, the 25th chapter. Well, Cyrus comes in and overthrows Babylon. He's the Persian king. But when they are in Babylon under Cyrus, this is around five. Cyrus overthrows Babylon overthrows Israel in 586 B.C. That's the demise of everything in Israel. It was wiped out, wiped to the ground, destroyed. Then when they get over here to Babylon, in Babylon, the men that survive this great slaughter in Israel, they get over here into Babylon, which is over here in Iraq, this is the Euphrates River running down through here. And you hear all about that because it's in the news today. And the Tigris River runs down through that. They come together just about 100 miles north of the Persian Gulf. 
that's where we had that war back in the early 90s, that short war we had. Well, they carry them off over here. They're in Babylon, and they say, we need a way of worship. So what are we going to do? They said, we will set up a new system over here, and we'll call it synagogue. Synagogue is not righteous. Synagogue comes from soon and ago. Soon means to gather together or to blend together. That's a prefix on a word. Uh, sumarphos, S-U-M-M-O-R-P-H-O-S. We're predestined to conform, sum, in fellowship, shaped in fellowship. I've said that so many times. Soon is just a form of sum or sug or su. It means to fellowship. Ago means to lead together. It means to assemble together in fellowship. That the synagogue was a corruption of the word of God. And here how, here's how it was corrupted, just like the preachers today are doing. They're corrupting it. What they did, they said, we will bring this message that we had in Israel over to Babylon, and we will translate it into the Babylonian Aramaic. They had a different... Hebrew was a was a form of the Aramaic, but just because you could understand Hebrew didn't mean you could understand the Aramaic. They had a they had a northern Israel Aramaic. They had a uh, had a different dialect of the Aramaic throughout the world. So they translated this what they call the six hundred and thirteen laws. The men who set this up, they had a high priest over here in Israel, high priest. They didn't set up a high priest in the synagogue. They set up a head rabbi. Head rabbi. Rabbi means master or teacher. And Jesus had called no man a rabbi upon the earth, for one is your teacher, one is your master. He said that in the 23rd chapter of Matthew. We don't call somebody rabbi or master or father. We've got a father in heaven. So they set up a head rabbi. And this head rabbi was the head of the Babylonian synagogue. And here's what they taught. When they translated, they did the same thing that all these preachers are doing in America. They looked at the Bible, put their opinion on what it meant. What it really amazes me, all the charismatics don't even agree with each other in their doctrines. Joel Osteen comes out of, his father came out of a Baptist background. T.D. Jakes was a United Pentecostal. United Pentecostals say that you have to be baptized in water, and while you're being dipped in water, they have to utter these words, in the name of Jesus only, because they say that there was no Trinity, and that there was only one God, and that was Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, all in one person.
even though the Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. They, they say, well, we believe there's only one God. So when you're, the United Pentecostals along with the Apostolics, the Apostolics believe the same thing. While you're being dipped in water, you've got to say, in the name of Jesus only. And when you're dipped, if they don't say that, you're not even a believer. So T.D. Jakes doesn't even believe Kenneth Copeland's a believer by his doctrine. He doesn't believe that all the rest of these are even believers by his doctrine because he's a united Pentecostal. <laughs> but they don't believe in preaching doctrine. They say doctrine doesn't matter. That's idiocy. Idiocy. <laughs> doctrine is the word didache or didascalia. Both of those, both of those means instruction. You mean it doesn't matter about instruction if you buy a new computer? Just find anything where that plug will fit and plug it in there? Is that what it means? If you get a bicycle, do you just, well, it don't matter where you put the brakes. Let's put it right over the handlebars. Instruction is everything. If anyone preaches any other doctrine, 2 John 10, if anyone comes preaching any other didache, do not bid them Godspeed. Godspeed is the word caro. C-H-A-I-R-O. It means to be cheerful to them. Are you to mistreat people when you're going through a checkout counter and say, well, girl, you are going to go to hell if you don't believe in predestination. No, I'm polite to everybody. I'm very gentle, kind. If I hear somebody say something that goes against the word of God, I say, well, that's not true. If you want to know what that means, I'll tell you. But I'm not going to force it on you unless you want to know. I may I walk through checkout counters and a girl have joy on her name tag. I say, you know what your name is in the Greek? It's the word kara. And kara is a form of caro. Kara. And that's a form of charis, which is the word grace, meaning unmerited favor. So God's speed. Don't give people favor if they preach any other doctrine because if you bid them Godspeed. The Bible says you are partaker of their evil deeds in the next verse. In Revelation 4, Revelation 18 and 4 says, if you partake of their deeds, you're going to partake of their judgments. If you run with the world, when the judgment of God comes down on the world, you're going to partake of that. Now, when they got over into Babylon, they called that translation over into Babylon. Let me erase some of this. They call that translation the Targum. All of this has very interesting associations. So when they get over into Babylon, you can't just go along accepting. I don't accept anything that I hear preachers preach. Nowhere. They're just not telling the truth. They don't know definitions of anything. It's just astounding how ignorant the world is. If the Bible is true, and I believe it is, 
it's true according to the original text, according to the culture and the customs, the idioms. People say, we don't live 2,000 years ago. You're ignoramus. It still means the same thing it meant 2,000 years ago. When they were carried into Babylon, the, head, the rabbis, the head rabbis, and all the men under them were rabbis and teachers. They would elect a man to be the new head rabbi. They had some real famous rabbis. They had one called Maimonides, M-A-I-O. Maimonides. They had one called Justin the Great. They had many of them. They had, and these guys, as they were taking that office, they took the 613 laws out of the, what they call Torah, we call Pentateuch. Pentateuch comes from pent, means five. It's the first five books of the Bible, first five books. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's called, it's a standard word called the law. And they said they had 613 of those laws that they had to explain what these laws meant. And what they did, they set up more or less junior rabbis that would give that explanation and any head rabbi any head rabbi would pass down his opinion what these 613 laws meant on everything from chicken thieving to murder whatever and they said some of the most insane, inane things. This is eventually what ended up with the Pharisees, with the Pharisees in Israel during the time of Jesus. It ended up being what Jesus did when he started preaching the Sermon on the Mount, his first message in Matthew, the fifth chapter. 5 through 7 he started he attacked the Pharisees with both feet full force because here's what they did they set up an explanation what they called an explanation of those laws by methurgeman m-e-t-h-u-r-g-e-m-a-n this was an interpreter. So when they translated this over into the Aramaic, they said somebody needed to explain it. Well, that's like taking out a Baptist preacher and say, explain the Bible. And he knows nothing about it. You can't take an uneducated man having explained the Word of God just by reading it. Interpretation. And they called that interpretation, they called it halakha. 
You can talk to a Jew and ask them about halakha, and they will say, how do you know about that? My wife was down at, at uh, <clears throat> Macy's one day. She was talking to a sales lady, an older lady. And my wife was telling her that I taught. In fact, Mary had a Star David on, and the woman saw it. And she said, are you a Jew? And Mary said, no, I'm a Jew of the heart. And circumcision is not outwardly, but of the heart. And the lady started talking to her. She said, well, I'm a Jew. And Mary said, well, you don't study the Bible. You study Halakha, don't you? And she said, the woman just went, how do you know that? That's what they invented. That was a verbal law. Verbal law. And they said this verbal law, Halakha, could not be written down. No writing. All they could do was pass it down from one generation to the next as a tradition. A tradition is just verbal passage of something that doesn't have any foundation in truth. And these head rabbis was adding to that tradition every, and we're talking about in, in five 38 B.C. We know somewhere about that time is where this Babylonian synagogue began and where they started this. This is what Jesus is attacking these Pharisees about starting off in Matthew. Boom! If you don't understand this, you can't understand the Gospels of what he's doing to the Pharisees. You have no idea what he's doing. No writing. They also had, they set up another thing called Haggadah. Haggadah was a commentary that was written down that could not be spoken aloud. That's ridiculous. You couldn't write this down. But what they said about the Halakha the Pharisees, which the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue, which became the Pharisees of Jesus' day, why do you think he attacked them on everything they said? Everything. Mary said, people need, my wife said, I wasn't talking to the Virgin Mary. I said, Mary said something one time. Somebody wrote me an email and said, you talking to the Virgin Mary? No, that's my wife. She said, people need to hear this halakha thing before anything else so they could understand why Jesus... When Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. They said in their halakha that man was created on the sixth day to put him in subjection to the Sabbath. And they were gritting their teeth going, Ew! We'll kill you one day. They said he was violating the traditionary law. When you look up tradition, you look the word up, it will tell you it is the traditionary law of Moses. Well, that is an out-and-out -out lie because the tradition was the verbal law 
And the Pharisees said that had more power than the law that was given to Moses in the book of Exodus when he came down from the mountain in the 20th chapter and he had the Ten Commandments in his head. Not only that, but he had all these other laws of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They said that halakha superseded. It, it had power over the written law. And Jesus said, that's not true. So when you see traditionary law of Moses, that's a lie. Paul said, I was more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Paul had been a Pharisee. He was one who kept the traditionary law. Paul went around killing Christians before God struck him down on the Damascus Road. And by the time you get to Jesus, they have one head rabbi after another. And boy, if you get a liberal rabbi in there, and he puts anything he wants to in there, there was another tradition they had. They had many of them. Jesus attacks them on all of them. He said in the 15th chapter of Matthew, the Pharisees come to him, say, why don't your apostles wash their hands when they eat? Everybody washed their hands when they ate. Their hands were their utensils. They picked up bread, dipped it in a sop or in something in the middle of the table. And let me see if I can get to the... Nobody cares what the real truth is. Where's that? Do I not have the pick? There it is. They were eating at a triclinium table when they were eating the last Passover. Goodness gracious. They didn't eat at that stupid table that Leonardo da Vinci drew. And everybody sits on one side of the table. It reminds me of that old Mel Brooks movie. He comes in, he says, I'm going to, I've got a guest here today, and he's Leonardo da Vinci. He's going to paint the going to paint the apostles and he says this will never do everybody on the other side of the table <laughs> it's just dumb that wasn't what they were eating at they were eating at a triclinium that was called a feast table they eat. that's another reason they wasn't eating crackers and drinking grape juice it's stupid they were at a triclinium and they lay prone upon the triclinium and when you see that picture of John in that dumb picture that Leonardo da Vinci was a great artist, but he was an idiot when it came to the Bible. An idiot. That out an idiot. I got pictures of the triclinium over there on the wall. To lie in someone's bosom didn't mean to put your head down on their side and act like a homosexual. Golly, how stupid. I've got a hundred pictures of the triclinium in my library, at least, or more than that. What you did is you lay down, you're prone upon that table, and you got the end of the table here. You're lying down, and to lie in someone's bosom meant to lean backward and talk to the person behind you. So evidently John was sitting right in front of Jesus. And that to lie in the bosom was a picture of the triclinium.
tri means three. It's a three-sided table. That was a feast table. You can get that out of these books I've got if you want it. And the lady would walk in here or whoever was serving and would put the food down in front of them. They'd lean on their left arm and eat with their right and lean backwards to lie in the bosom of someone behind them. And that's what John did. He was lying on the triclinium. That's another one of the errors of the idiocy of the church. They weren't eating crackers and drinking grape juice. They were eating the Passover. We're in a spiritual Passover now. Four items to the Passover. A lamb without blemish. What is the lamb of the Passover now in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter? The Bible says Jesus was our lamb of the Passover. If the lamb is spiritual, the other things of the Passover are spiritual. You had, there's the first item of the Passover. Jesus is a Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 says so. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. These guys don't even know what these words mean. Charles Stanley wouldn't have any idea what this means if his life depended on it. Billy Graham didn't know nothing about nothing. Who are you? You smart aleck Jim Brown? I, I read like crazy. I never stop reading. I've got a book in my hand at all times. I've got them all over the tables everywhere. Mary says, put those books up. I do them the next day. I start pulling them down again. All it takes is educating yourself in the truth to find out what it is. It has nothing to do with the preachers in the world today. We're in the apostasy, apostasis, falling away. Apo meaning removal of stasis, standing upright. From stasis, you get the word staros, which is the word cross. There's been a removal of the daily cross in America. Nobody believes in it anymore. I don't hear anybody talking about it. Without a daily cross, you can't have faith. You can't be a disciple. You can't learn. I like that verse that I've been using as a... I'll come back to these guys here, but the verse I've been using is over here in... It's kind of like a theme verse for this whole series. Over in First Peter, uh, oh, excuse me, Second Peter, not First Peter. Second Peter three and verse sixteen. I'm using this as a theme verse. Speaking of Paul, Peter's talking about Paul's epistles. Also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood. And he tells you why they're hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned. Unlearned is the word amathes. A-M-A-T-H-E-S. It comes from mathetes which is the word disciple, and you can't be that without our daily cross, mathetes, and the alpha primitive. It negates mathetes. It means no learner, no daily cross. You, I have said this. I hope people understand this. In order to go to school and take calculus, if my sticking calculus in a college, 
you can't go in there and tell Mike, well, I think this means so-and-so. He don't care what you think. You've got to go by the axioms and by the postulates and by mathematical laws. You can't tell somebody what you think. Can you? It has a meaning. Definition is everything. It's everything. Where the... What about the... the translators? Most of them were goofballs. Half of them were Roman Catholics and half of them were Calvinists and they had a knockdown drag out in the translating room for about six to seven years before they released the King James translation in 1611. Besides that, King James didn't know what he was. His mother was Mary Queen of Scots. She was heir to the throne of France, heir to the throne of England, and heir to the throne of Scotland. And she was raised by Jesuits in the very home of John Knox, the great reformer. Well, she must have been confused. Taught her son confusion. King James wanted a Bible, but you couldn't trust him. So what we have to do is take the Textus Receptus. We got it. The Greek text. Look at the words. See what they mean. I'll show you how to do it. But you're going to have to learn your alphabet. Alphabet, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, capital, lambda, mu, and so forth. You have to learn that, and then you can look up a word in here, write it down, and say what it means exactly. That's an interlinear Bible. It's got the Greek on the top line. It's got the Greek on the top. And the English right under it. But I don't, even just, I don't trust the English in this. Mr. Green put this out. Baker Publishers publishes it. I called Mr. Green one time. I said, do you know anything about parsing words? He said, no, I don't. I thought, wow. So he just trusted the guys that put the English words in here. You can parse the words. That means to show what kind of part of speech it is. By getting, you've got to learn the alphabet. That's just the beginning. And then you've got to get an, an analytical lexicon. I've got one up here somewhere. Uh, it's a, one of these. I can't see it. But you get an analytical lexicon to tell you if it's a participle or a verb or an adverb or a noun. And I'll help you with that, what it means. Without knowing what adverbs are, you're going to be lost on John 3.16. So is an adverb. I got a t-shirt that says, John 3.16, so, I got it in quotes, is an adverb. I hope somebody asks me about that. <laughs> adverb tells how, when, where, and sometimes why. So tells how and what fashion God loved. It doesn't say he loved everybody. Without so, I did several messages and I entitled them so. You got to know what an adverb is. Now, this verse here is the one we're using as a springboard to this. The reason God says in Deuteronomy 28, if you keep my laws and my statutes and my commandments, I'll fill up your 
storehouses. I'll fill up your fields. You'll be prosperous when you go out and when you come in. And he said, you go against them in one way and they'll be seven ways. But he says in verse 15, if you don't keep my statutes and my commandments, how can you keep God's statutes and commandments when you don't pay any attention to the definition of the words? You don't... You can't define his commandments and his statutes if you've got the wrong words for what actually is going on. So Israel got corrupted while they were a nation worshiping sun and tree, which is the same thing as Christmas because Babylon mothered all idolatry. Idolatry. Babylon mothered all harlotry, porneia, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. Porneia means idolatry. So if Babylon mothered it all, Babylon, Babylon was founded over here in Genesis 11 and 4. 11 and 4. On this, this phrase, they said they found a, a plain in the land of Shinar, and they said, let us build a city and a tower and let us make us a name boy you don't even have to translate that to understand what that is that's pride Babylon mothered all idolatry on pride name is the word Shem it means authority Shem was the second born of Noah and he was the one in charge God said blessed be the Lord God of Shem he was the second born of Noah Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And Japheth, the eldest, will, will dwell in the houses of Shem. And Canaan, the grandson of Ham, will be the servants of Shem. They said, let us make up our own authority. Let's make up our own words. Let's make up our own doctrine, our own instruction. That way we can say, doctrine don't matter. We got one different from you. I got a different Jesus from you. Let me finish this. Which they that are with unlearned amethys, they're not disciples, they're not learners, they have no faith. Which they that are unlearned and unstable, asterao, I don't have to tell you what the Alpha does in this. All I have to do is tell you what sterao means. Strong means to be stabilized, to be implanted in a foundation. No foundation. They're unstable. And they rest. Scripture. Streblao. This is the word rest. S-T-R-E-B-L-O-O. They wrench Scripture. That's what they did over there in Babylon. They were wrenching the Scripture. I started to tell you a while ago, they, in Matthew, the 15th chapter, the Pharisees said to Jesus, and remember the Pharisees were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. They said, why don't your apostles wash their hands? Everybody wash their hands. You didn't pick up that with sewage on your hands. What they meant was something that came out of their traditionary law. They put receptacles, two receptacles, as they entered into the feast room. And ritualistically, they dipped their hands down into that 
and pulled them out. That's what they were talking about. They had that in their halakha. How can you find this stuff out? Here's some books you can find it in. And Jesus said, he told them there in the 15th chapter when they said, why don't your apostles wash your hands? He said, you make the word of God of none effect by your traditions, by your... He's talking to the Pharisees saying, your verbal law that you say was stronger than the law that God gave to Moses on the mountain, you make the word of God of none effect. That word none effect is one of the most interesting words today. Akarao. Akarao comes from the word kurios. Kurios is the word Lord. And the alpha privative in front of that means no Lord. I am not your Lord when you go by your traditions. The Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you. Sulagogeo leads you into captivity back to darkness. Lead you back to darkness by any man spoil you through philosophy, philosophos, their own wisdom, through philosophy and vain deceit, empty deception, after the traditions of man, after the paradosis. If you don't know what paradosis is, you're not going to have any idea what that verse in Colossians 2.8 is talking about. After the traditions of men and after the rudiments of this world. The word rudiments, stoikion. Stoikion means the rituals of the temple. The rituals were nailed to the cross with Christ. Don't even have time to go there. You want to know where you can find these things? Here's one of the best set of books I have ever seen in my life. This was written. Boy, it must be pretty good because I got it marked up. This is Mr. Lightfoot. Mr. John Lightfoot put these together, and it's called, it's a five-volume set, Commentary on the New Testament from the Talmud, and Hebraica, magnificent books. Best set of commentaries I've gotten. I got several thousand books in my library. These are unbelievable. I put markers in them. I get to forget where the markers in the markers. They'll tell you all. Mr. Lightfoot will tell you. He dug into this. A lot of times when I'm wanting to look at a verse in the Gospels or even in some of the epistles, he goes to some of those. And I want to know what these things mean. I'll come to a verse. I say, man, I, I don't know what that is. And I'll straighten it out. With, he'll tell me what the Pharisees said, where it come from out of the rabbinical laws. I have never heard a preacher even talk about. Here's a, set, here's a book. This comes from a set called the Compendia. Compendia. And it's got on the front of it, this is volume one. Volume two has Halakha, Haggadah, Tosefta, Verbal Law. It tells you all about the things of the Pharisees. 
I've never heard a preacher even deal with the Pharisees' beliefs. Jesus attacked them out front. First thing out of the gate. He attacked them. When you go over to Matthew, well, let me finish this. They're unlearned and they're unstable. They rest the scriptures also unto their own destruction. They twist. And one of the words for rest means to torture. They torture the scriptures. That's what Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, all of them. Charles Stanley, Billy Graham tortured the scriptures. He said you could pray a sinner's prayer for salvation, and he used Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said you can call upon God when you're dead in your sin. But the next verse says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You have to be believing God before you can pray to him. I'm not going to pray to Zeus any moment here. Why? I don't believe he's there. I'm not going to pray to Thor or the God of Thunder. or to, I'm not going to pray to any of those gods. They're not there as far as I'm concerned. And that's what they're doing. These guys... And Jesus said, you make the word of God of none effect. No, Lord, by your traditions. I am not your Lord when you go by your opinions. And that's what we've got in the world today. With all these guys that have opinions. Let me erase this. The Pharisees were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. They had all kinds of things that they had said that these things say. I've got so many things I want to get into on this. All right. There's a section of... You can find a lot of this in these books here. You're going to get a lot of it in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a book that's put out by the Jews. Let me tell you one of the things I'll tell you in here. The Lord said, the gleanings belong to the poor. If you are going along out there in the field, the mission will tell you all about what the Pharisees said. They'll tell you what they said about gleanings, about laws, and so forth. They said, if you're out there in the field and you're harvesting a crop and something fell off the back of your hand or in a certain way, that you could pick that back up. God says you can't pick up anything that you drop. That's for the poor. I don't care whether you accidentally drop it. You didn't mean to drop it. It belongs to the poor. And they said, oh, but if we drop it a certain way, we can pick it back up. He said, no, you can't. I'll judge you for that. These preachers today are pressing the poor. That's what they're doing. 
the Bible says in the 22nd chapter of Exodus, if you oppress the widow and the orphan, that's what Kenneth Copeland does. He tells poor people, send me your money and God will restore you a hundredfold. He gets that out of the 10th chapter of Mark, but that's not what he's talking about. It's not talking about money. It's like that prosper word. He says, if you'll just do this, you'll get a hundredfold back. God says, if you press the widow and the orphan, and they cry unto me, I'll hear their cry. And this is, a, this is an indictment against these charismatics. He said, if they cry unto me, I'll hear their cry, and I will kill you with the sword. And your sons and daughters will be orphans, and your wife will be a widow. Don't you do that. And they corrupt in their and their doctrines. Look back over here at when Jesus starts his ministry in Matthew five. I can't really go through the halakha all in one lesson. But this is where he says it. Matthew the fifth chapter. This is his first message out of the gate, out of the chute. Matthew five. He's on a mountain in northern Galilee. How much time do I have, Mike? Twelve. Twelve minutes. I can't hardly get started on this. This is just getting started. Just getting started. He's up on a mountain. Galilee is up here in northern Israel. Galilee is a lake up here. They called it a womb because it was shaped like a womb. And out of Galilee runs the Jordan River. Runs down into the Dead Sea in southern Jordan. The source of the Jordan River is the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is up here in northern Israel in Galilee, somewhere up here, preaching on a mountain to the people. And that's the fifth, sixth, or the sixth, I'll get it right in a minute, fifth, sixth, and seventh chapter of Matthew. And the first thing he does is attack the Pharisees on their halakha. He comes after them. After he goes through the blessed ones, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed is the word makurios. People will say, aren't you blessed when you make a lot of money? Not necessarily. Bill Gates has got $96 billion he can't repent of. If God gives you too much, you get that and then get to go to hell. Do I believe he can repent? No. Can he show sorrow and be ashamed for his sin? No. Does he sin? Oh, absolutely. He was asked on the line if he stole windows, and he said, yeah, sure I did, blankety blank. Okay. He's not the nice guy that he looks like, even though he's trying to cure a miracle of coronavirus. He did say, if this, if this cure works, he's not going to have his kids take the shots. Said that on TV. So he's up here somewhere in Galilee. The Pharisees hate Galilee. Another story. I don't have time to go into that. They hate it. But he's talking to the blessed ones. And he says in verse 17, Thinking that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, 
till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle. Well, this is a condemnation of the Pharisees, the jots and the tittles. One jot or one tittle shall not pass from the law till all is fulfilled. The jot is the yod. The yod is the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. A tittle is the smallest marking on the Hebrew alphabet. A tit, a tittle. If you change, if you, if you erase that tittle, you change the baith, you change a baith to a, to a lamech. You change a b to an l. That's a tittle. And they said that when Solomon, they said Solomon took the tittle out of the verse in Deuteronomy that says, Thou shalt not have many wives. One tittle in there, change, or one jot changed, Thou shalt not have many wives till thou shalt have many wives. One tittle. Then he goes on to say, you, you're not going to understand this chapter unless you understand the halakha of the Pharisees. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments. Which least commandments? The jots and the tittles. That's what he's talking about. Whoever breaks one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of God. In other words, keep the word of God down to the finest points. And then he says, I said you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were the top doctors of the law. They sat around transcribing all day long. They didn't have copy machines, so they sat around copying the Word of God constantly, putting their opinions in. Ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, referring to the scribes and Pharisees in the next verse, ye have heard that it was said. That's a direct reference. That's a direct reference to the halakha. It was said, I went through this the other day, Phemai, P-H-E-I-M-I. That's a word that means to speak with the mouth. You've heard that it was said, a direct reference to halakha, and you know that by the next part of the verse. Halakha, H-A-L-A-K-A-H. It's a reference said. You can just put quotes around that. It was heard that it was said by them. The antecedent, which is the noun or pronoun something refers back to, the antecedent of them is the previous verse, the scribes and the Pharisees. You've heard that it had been said by them of old time. Of old time. That's a reference back when they were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue saying these things. I don't have time to go into each one of these. I'm just going to show you some things. It was said by them of old time. 
Whosoever shall be killed shall be in danger of the judgment crisis. They're not in danger of the crisis. We get the word kretes, which is the judge, kretes, and the and the, you get the word krema, which is our word crime. The crisis was the tribunal. That was that. That was the Sanhedrin, S-A-N-H-E-D-R-I-N, Sanhedrin. That was the semicircular group of Pharisees that called every guilty man before them, and he stood in front of them, and they're saying, if you kill somebody, you're in danger of the tribunal. No, you're in danger of God. See, it was said by them of old times, so they just changed things. And all through here, when it says, it was said, is a reference to the halakha. By them, when they were the rabbis of the Babylonian synagogue. Jesus is preaching his first message, and the first thing he does is attack the Pharisees. He's going after them. He does that all the way through his life, three and a half years later. He looks at him and says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You compass sea and land to make one proselyte. That's another one of their halakha laws. A proselyte, if a man was in a Gentile nation wanted to come to Israel, he had to be circumcised, washed in water that they called a new birth, and he offered, had to offer two turtle doves. The turtle doves and the circumcision was in the law but so was the washing in the water they simply inserted that in their halakha in their halakha and I've got an article here out of out of Edersheim Alfred Edersheim was a Jew he was born in 1825 died in 1889 and in his book here Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah he says, Hitherto the law had it that those who had contracted Levitical defilement were to immerse before offering sacrifice. Again, it was prescribed that such Gentiles as became proselytes of righteousness or proselytes of the covenant were to be admitted to full participation in immersion being, as it were, the acknowledgement and the symbolic renewal of moral defilement corresponding to that of Levitical uncleanness. But never before it had been proposed that Israel should undergo a baptism of repentance, although there are indications of deeper insight into the meaning of Levitical baptism. And he goes into this telling you, if they went through these three things, that they could become proselyte Jews in Israel and partake of the Passover and the other feast. But they had to be circumcised, washed in water, and offered two turtle doves. Water baptism was a proselyte Jewish thing. All those rituals were nailed to the cross with Christ, Colossians 2.14. I don't even have, I'm having to cut everything off short. I can't give a full explanation because I'm running out of time. Do I have any time left? One minute. One minute. He's going to say, it hath been said all through this chapter, you heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, in verse 27. 
But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after had committed adultery in his heart. He didn't say adultery was with a married woman. It was to look at a woman and lust after her. Then you're committing adultery. Whether she's single or you're single, it's still adultery. This is what Copeland and the gang are doing. They're taking the, the law of God and saying, we'll do with it what we want. And they wrench and twist the scriptures and torture it. I am sick of the preachers in America. They make me... When people say, I don't believe in preachers, I say, you don't believe them near as much as I don't believe in them. Because I know where they're lying and you don't. I'd like to talk one of those rock stars that David, Dave used to... He used to travel with Pantera and and, uh, and he'd interviewed David Lee Roth and these guys. He traveled with them as a boxing trainer. And I said, I'd like to talk to them and say, hey, look, I know you don't believe in God because these preachers out here are lying. But I, t I can tell you where they're lying. I don't believe them. That's not Christianity. When they've... We are in the end of time we have to be the apostasy is full force in America if I didn't know as much as I know if I hadn't studied for 63 years and I hadn't dug into the word of God I didn't have all good years I had some years where I was seeking my flesh and seeking my own way God had to cause me to repent one of the hardest things for me to do was to start calling those guys out-and-out out liars, if that's what they are. The guy across the street in that big old steeple building, he's an idiot. If you ever watch him, he comes on the TV, God is good and we have a wonderful time in the Lord, and thank God for the steeple on our church. And I was at the I was at the shopping center one day, and a lady had a real sweet little dog in her arms. You know, that's the sweetness that God wants us to have. You just want to slap the guy. Or if you had a... I want to carry a ball-ping hammer and strap it to my leg, and when somebody starts talking, I say, excuse me, i got a scratch here, and pull it out and hit him in the knee. <laughs> and watch him jump around. I just can't stand that kind of so-called ministry. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. Help us to understand. We need to use great plainness of speech. We need to be blunt to the point. Help me in this time of trial to keep going. Open up doors for the ministry. And you have an elect family out there. Open their hearts and cause them to come. And you will in your time. Your will is being done. Thank you for that. We'll praise you for everything. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect family. In Christ's name, amen. All right, but I'm not through with this. i got to come back to the Halakha next week. There's... You said about bank robbers, at least you know what a bank robber, how is that what you said? You said it before years ago. A bank robber, at least you know what he is. Yeah, you know a bank robber. I mean, a guy stops down here to, at a little uh, curb mark and he robs the curb mark and gets $17.26. And then a guy goes to a real estate deal and he cheats a guy out of $100,000 and he gets an award for it. Now, that's amazing to me. 
<laughs> and we live in that kind of America. If everybody would, these books are magnificent books. It's unbelievable what you can get out of them. These, this commentary in the New Testament of Talmud Hebraica, sometimes I want to look up something and he didn't cover that part, but he's got the best answers of anybody. The truth is the truth whether anybody believes it or not. You don't have to believe it for it to be true. It's still true. Lord, have mercy on us. I'm going to come back and teach more on this halakha. Okay. I hope that convicts our hearts. Hey Herb, I'm glad you're here. Glad to see you. I'm gonna cover more of this halakha next week. We're barely skimming the surface on it. There's so much to this. It's just. It's astounding how much there is in the Bible. I think they're going to give us the going to get back to church pretty soon. Where's that paper you were reading? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the Life and Times of Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. That you were reading from that. Oh, a copy of that. Because somebody's going to probably ask for that. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Be careful. Mike, yes. I can show you what I need. Yes, sir. You want to come here and let me show you this? Okay. I want what you did on the first. And you you told me. I got. I know what you told on me. On the first. Yeah. I want what I did on the first, but I want right after the word forward, I want tapuka, yep. and just put it in the order that it comes up. And the first up. time you see tapuka, you want the definition up front. Yeah, yes. just right there. I can do that. And then, but I want to go through the Bible just like you've got it on here. First time you see a kish, you want to see the definition in front of that. But I want, but I want, if you could put the Strong's number right by it. I can do that too. Put the Strong's so, number and the word. And the Strong's number. Okay. Yeah. All right. And put the Strong's number on We can do that. Each one now, of the definitions. You go to the next page and you see, I don't know, see. Tabuka again. You want you want the definition because it's on a different page. That way. Yeah, you could. Be, yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. Sometimes those definitions. But don't put it every time it's used. Though. Sometimes those definitions are this long in that. I okay. Mean, I don't want to. You know, Will y'all be safe? Thank you. Well, if you don't be safe, get saved. Yeah. <laughs> get saved. They got some down there with bologna and bread at Kroger's. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> if you can't get saved, then get. Now get. <laughs>